Hi all, Bree here, bringing you another case to start off your Monday, your week. I say we just get right into it. So main sources this week are from the DBOMB, so the Colorado Domestic Violence Offender Management Board. Say that five times fast, I dare you. Uh, the Denver Post, the DOC Inmate Locator for Colorado, and Nine News. All of our major big news stations, I think, right? They actually did a pretty decent job on some of these articles I read, though we're still missing some on this case, but we'll get into it. So like we mentioned last time, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Awareness Month. I currently work with DV clients, both men and women, um, that are on probation. So we're going to take a break from the usual missing monday cases and bring you dv cases from around the state some are well known some aren't we just kind of have a mixed bag for you first though i want to go into some basic examples of what domestic violence is um and how it's defined here it's a it can be a little bit different state to state uh dem- Colorado is usually at the forefront of their, you know, according to other, compared to other states, I guess I should say, um, in their judicial processes and just DV cases in general, which is kind of cool. Um, They handle the cases well, they supervise them well. Um, I think the sentences fit most of the time. So that's, that's good news, right? So in Colorado, DV is not treated as an independent crime. Rather, it's a sentence enhancement. So domestic violence here is defined as an act or threatened act of violence upon a person with whom the actor is or has been involved in an intimate relationship. DV also includes any other crime when used as a method of coercion, control, punishment, intimidation, or revenge directed against a person with whom the actor is or has been involved in an intimate relationship. Sounds kind of wordy, right? So essentially, a person that you've been in a relationship with, no matter if it was for a day, it was 20 years ago, and it was for a year or four years, you're married now, you're divorced, um, kind of, right? Any, any intimate relationship. The same thing goes for same-sex couples. Though post-sentence and in treatment, um, some of their treatment conditions can be a little bit different because of that different relationship, right? Every relationship has um, power and control. It just might look different in a same-sex couple. So that is also something that's fairly, fairly new, I would say, in Colorado for um, domestic violence rules and regulations. So in other states... You don't even have to be really in an intimate relationship. It could be extended to, you know, basic domestic violence, right? What that means is, you know, domestic is at home. So anybody you've lived with, potentially. So that could be your significant other. It could be your sibling. 
It could be your parents. It could be like a basic roommate. And so if you guys are in a fight or whatnot, somebody's charged, it could carry that domestic violence enhancer. But like I said, it, it could be, you know, me to my brother. But we were living in the same house or had lived in the same house. So it can be a little bit different state to state. I know um, I know Kansas is like that. I think North Dakota, Minnesota, as an example, those are the states I kind of know off the top of my head. But here, it's got to be somebody that you're in an intimate relationship. So if you're essentially fighting with your mom, yes, I get that it, it may still be domestic violence or it's like person-to-person crime, but it's not going to actually carry that domestic violence sentencing enhancer. I hope that's clear as mud, right? Let me give you an example. So say I'm in a fight with my husband. We're arguing about something. I snatch his phone away from him while he's trying to make a call for help or call somebody, whatever, and I smash it. So I'm charged with obstructing the phone call. So telephone obstructing service is what it's called. And then criminal mischief for breaking the phone, which holds like a certain dollar amount to it for this broken phone. Say it's, you know, a couple hundred bucks, whatever. So those are my actual charges. The obstructing service and the criminal mischief. Then the DV enhancer is applied. So no one here in Colorado is actually charged with domestic violence. Or you don't catch a DV charge. (laughs) I don't know why people say, I caught a charge, man. You don't catch charges. A DUI doesn't fall from the sky into your hands. Your wife's face doesn't fall into your hands and get beat up. That's just my own little pet peeve. (laughs) So when you're reading an article, you're watching a documentary, whatever, I know I've heard it. You've probably heard it. Somebody says, I caught a charge or I caught a DV charge. Not entirely true, but I get what they're saying, right? So they had the enhancer maybe on it, I guess, depending on the state that they're living in. So these are kind of your basic, I say that pretty loosely, DV examples. Um, So say I'm arrested on these charges above, right? The obstructing service, the criminal mischief. I'm, you know, nobody's murdered or anything like that. I'm sentenced to probation, right? Go through court. I'm sentenced to probation. I have fines and fees to pay. With that DV enhancer, it carries certain sentencing guidelines and requirements. So I would have to complete then specific domestic violence treatment, abide by a protection order and anything that goes with that protection order during your probation sentence. And I wouldn't be allowed to have a gun as an example. Those are some basic DV enhancer guidelines. I also see with DV cases that kids are sometimes involved or they're present during the case, during the arrest, during the fight. Um, so even if they're upstairs asleep, quote unquote, and I say that in quote because I hear it all the time, and FYI people, kids are never asleep when their parents are fighting or when their mom is fighting with their boyfriend or dad's fighting with their girlfriend or whatever. Especially if it happens a lot in a household, your kids are awake. I would guarantee you they are awake in their room upstairs, or peeking around the corner at you, they're paying attention. They're sponges for information. They are not asleep. So, just like in this one we're about to get into, there is a then a child abuse charge 
on top of these other, say, the obstructing service, the criminal mischief, whatever. Then they can add in additional counts of child abuse if there are multiple kids around, right? Multiple kids asleep upstairs, if you will. Now, let's get into today's case with some of that basic overview. This episode is about Joshua Callison, I believe is how you say his name. So in the wee hours of Monday morning, July 23rd, 2018, so only a couple years ago, Joshua is shot outside a Lamar's donut shop by Brittany Lyons. So as of this date, um, on that date, July 23rd, 2018, she's 26. I see in one article she's listed as being 25, but majority of them say 26. So we're going to go with that. And Joshua's 27. So similar in age, she walks into the donut shop with a little four-year-old boy. An employee generally asks, right, hey, what can I help you with? What's going on? And the body of Joshua is already in the parking lot at the time. So the employee then dials 911, hands the phone to Brittany, and she's later arrested on the scene. Um, when police arrive, she is armed with a 9mm handgun and a spent cartridge that is stovepiped or stuck inside the gun's ejection port. And then there's also a couple other bullets around, casings, um, some parking, parked cars that have bullet holes, but not a whole lot else is mentioned in these articles. Um, again, it's it's like 2 a.m., so there's not a lot of people around, not even a lot of cars around. So she's charged with one count of second-degree murder for Joshua, and then one count of the child abuse, right? Because the kid is there. The kid is present for the shooting. Later, police interview her. She waves Miranda right away and makes her statement. Um, but that statement is sealed, and I can't find it. Um, I don't see really a whole lot on how her sentencing goes. It honestly appears to go pretty quickly. From what I can find on the inmate locator, you know, this case happened in July. Um, it says her sentence date was 12-13-2019. So not really that long, I guess, in court. Um, and that could be based on her statement or motive or whatnot. There's not a lot of information. Um, in one article, it says that Joshua and Brittany are acquaintances, but it has it in quotes. Again, we don't know how long that is for. They're both from Paris, Tennessee, actually. So a local news um, reporter there mentions it, gives the basic story again, not any other details and I can't find what happened to the little boy so um well mom is in prison dad died so he doesn't have them I hope he's doing all right and when I found her on the DOC inmate locator she looks nothing like her mugshot which is probably a good thing um she looks healthier now I don't know what else was involved because there's a lot that's sealed that I can't find. So be that drugs or something else. Um, but it appears to be her matches date of birth, case number, all that good stuff. So you can do a basic DOC inmate locator 
You can type that into Google and kind of look up cases if you're interested in. But going back to that DV info that we just talked about. So even if they're acquaintances, however you want to define that, there obviously was some kind of intimate relationship at least four years ago because that's how old the little boy is. Um, but we don't know how long, right? <laughs> I guess it could have been one night, a couple of days. It could have been a year. It could have been all those four years. We don't know. But there was an intimate relationship. So yes, this is a DV case in Colorado. Um, but we don't know all of those details for certain, but it's still going to carry that. And again, I couldn't find a motive really, but regardless of that, I don't get why he would be shot in front of his kid. And we don't know the whole specs on the relationship, right? If he hasn't seen the little boy in a while, hasn't seen Brittany in a while, whatnot, we don't know any of that. And he's shot in front of a business, even if it's early in the morning, there's still people around, right? So like I said, it kind of makes me wonder if there wasn't something else going on. And I'm I'm just curious what really that relationship entailed. But because domestic violence deals with, you know, manipulation, power and control, the act of bringing her kid to the scene of the crime, whether she thought about it beforehand or not, kind of speaks to those details, right? Um, and like I said, you do have the child abuse charge on this one since he was present. Um, so if it's a lot of those kind of basic DV examples or instances we talked about, um, and those will kind of carry forward into our other episodes, which have, um, maybe more info or more high profile, things like that. Um, some of these ones that we'll go over, will have more of a, an entire history of that DV stuff happening, right? Power and control, whatnot. That'll kind of highlight then, I guess you could say, a motive later on. So if you like that one, stay tuned. We'll have more in the coming weeks. Listen, like, share. That's what I say all the time. <laughs> and certainly check out our book club book this month, Wilder Intentions, about a DV murder from Minot, North Dakota. That's my hometown it's a doozy. You'll like it. And then watch the Dateline too, because they did a really good job. So that's all I got for you. Kind of short and sweet, but we'll be back. Thanks guys.